The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there's spoilers and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to Extra Credits. Jason, what are we talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about the interrogation scene of The Dark Knight. So I know a lot of us hold this movie near and dear to our hearts. So I'm excited to talk about this scene. I think it's pretty epic. Um, so iconic. 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 So on the blue mic, who do we got? Uh, that's me, Muggs. Yeah, that is you, Muggs. Uh, Rachel! <laughs> uh, on the green mic, who do we got? We have Holly Hart. On the orange mic? Her her voice Blaine. is shit, though. I'm sorry, I, I had the flu, so yes, I'm sorry. My voice sounds different than it normally does. Sh- trash. All right, orange mic, we got bling. Hey. And then on the red mic, who do we got? Kerwin. <laughs> Thanks, Kerwin, for being here. Uh... So again, this scene is about five minutes long. Uh, just a little recap of the film. I mean, it's it's a 2008 film directed by Christopher Nolan. Nolan's inspiration for The Joker uh, comes from his comic debut in 1940. There's also a graphic novel he um, did a lot about The Joker with, or got inspiration from, called The Killing Joke uh, in 1988. Uh, talk about Heath Ledger a little bit. Um, I mean, we know he, he passed away uh, after filming uh, and actually before the film was released. Uh, about six months before, considered one of the best films of the decade. Damn. So when we look at Heath Ledger, I mean, him as a Joker, I just, I, I can't get over it. He just does such an amazing job. I mean, just reading a little bit about it, I mean, he spent six weeks in an apartment alone. Uh, he did a lot of journaling. He also did a lot of stuff perfecting his laugh of the Joker, um, different tics that the Joker would have. Um, he, he got a lot of inspiration, surprisingly enough, from... Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten of uh, the Sex Pistols. Interesting. Kind of weird correlation that Heath Ledger passed away from an overdose and so did Sid Vicious. Kind can, of, I, can I ask one question, though? Yeah, what's up? Kerwin, you are huge in Batman. Like comics, all that stuff. Do I dare even ask who played it better, Nicholson or Ledger? Oh, man. See, I know. I just, I just, and if you can't That's answer, you can say, like, I don't, want, I don't want to talk about that right okay. now. How about, how about we, wait, we wait till the end for that? Let's, right, wait, right, let's right, wait till right. the end. Let's wait till the I'll end. Hit you, I'll hit you with the 18-minute mark. We're looking at this scene. I'll, I'll kind of set it up. Um, so, again, Gary Oldman's character, uh, Commissioner Gordon, he he's just leaving his family's house. He's returning back to uh, the police station, and he's going to uh, interrogate... Uh, the Joker, and when he walks in, I, I think this is really cool how they they, they do it. It's like the lighting. The lighting. I yeah. think mm-hmm. like there's yeah. there's two lights on. There's one light right above the entrance, and then there's a desk lamp on. And I just think it's so cool how all you can really see is like the Joker's face. Yeah. Like when he sits, when you Christian, can't see anything behind him. Right. No, he raises his hands a little bit, but all you really see is the you know the Joker's face and his hands a couple times. But I mean, his makeup is completely just destroyed. Like it looks a little cleaner in, in earlier scenes, but I, I was reading that um, when they were doing the makeup for this scene that he kept moving his face so that the people putting on the makeup would, would mess it up intentionally. So it looked kind of disheveled compared to other scenes. But um, during their initial conversation, you know, Joker's really playing on Gordon's emotions, like just saying, hey, you know, your department's corrupt. Uh, alluding to that, like they're they're working for Maroni, uh, it kind of singles Gordon out being like the shining light of this this department. So after they 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 talk for a bit, Gordon's about to leave to get some coffee. 
we get the good bad the good cop bad cop comment, and then the light turns on, and the Batman's cop, right. Bad cop routine. Dog, I'm telling you, when I was in the motherfucking theater when the Dark Knight came out, this is at like three something a.m. I saw right. the movie when it came out. When the lights turn on and you just see Christian Bale standing behind Heath Ledger, the whole fucking theater was like, oh shit. And yeah. like, I love that you can't see his pupils or anything. Like his eyes are like you just see the crystals. They're just yeah. like crystals. You can't even see his eyes. I yeah. think that's that's the best shot of Batman, yeah. how he just looks like a fucking demon when he shows up out of nowhere. And I think you see, like- You see a different side of Batman right then and there, yeah. Yeah, and I think like he, I don't know that first slam when he slams his head right into the the never desk. start with the head. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was reading that um, there, there's a book called "100 Things Batman Fans Should Know Before They Die," and it was talking specifically about the scene and how Heath Ledger was completely just egging Christian Bale on big time, like really to hit him. And Christian Bale was like, like Heath, like I don't have to really hit you. Like I can act like I'm hitting you. It'll look just as great on camera. And like Heath Ledger's like, no, no, go on, go on, like keep going, keep going. Yeah. And so like, there's multiple times that we'll go through where Heath Ledger is just getting, like, hit, slammed into a mirror, and it's just like it, it looks really real. And I feel like a lot of those scenes are real. Damn, this yeah. scene's no joke. <laughs> gun, gun, guns blazing with the puns. Um, My dad told him to. So again, so we get into some of what they talk about, you know, between Batman and the Joker. Uh, he talks about how he let five people die. Are those six? Six? Five. No, he said he let five people die. Oh, five okay. people he, die. Oh, he says six with the other cop. You let five people die. Yeah, he says you let five people die. No, no, that's with Batman, right? No, when he's talking to Batman, he's like, when they're sitting together, when, yeah. he, sit, when he takes a seat... He's like, I forgot what he says. He's like, I'm impressed or something. He's like, you let five people die. Even, yeah. for, even to a guy like no, me, that's cold. He, he, I, I'm talking about after Batman leaves, he talks to the actual officer uh-huh. and he talks about, hey, how many of your friends have I killed? And he says six. And he goes, six, like 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 that. You don't remember Oh, that and, he's like, and he's like, and he's like, 10. He's like, 10. Oh, that was six. No, but that's no, not, like, that's no, not, that's not, that's not this. Like, no, it's not this scene. I yeah, get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah. Keep going, Jason. <laughs> But the, well, the Joker also talks about how um, the mob wants things to go back to how they were. You know, Batman's obviously, you know, not allowing that to happen. Uh, Batman kind of confronts him, like, oh, you know, why are you trying to kill me then? And, like, the laugh that the Joker gives, he's like, I wasn't trying to kill you. Like, like you complete me. I thought that was kind of a weird line that he says. Jerry Maguire line. <laughs> yeah, yep. Jerry Maguire. Directly from you that movie. Me. Yep. Joker just, you know, expressing he doesn't really want to kill Batman. But he also tells Batman not to compare himself to uh, the police officer. Yeah, he's not one of them. Yeah, one of them. He's a freak like him. You know, they're they're one and of the same. Even though obviously the Joker's like completely about anarchy, and Batman's not. He's still like he's a vigilante. Like he's not he's not a police officer. He's not Gordon. He's not one of these people. He's he's Batman. He's something different. I think something that's also kind of interesting is some of the lines that the Joker says where that Batman is is not like law enforcement. Everyone drops their morals at the first sight of trouble. When the chips are down, they'll all eat each other. So I don't know if, like, when the Joker says this, I don't know what I'm really thinking. I'm more thinking that 
are, are the people going to turn to corruption when Batman goes away? The Joker just wants chaos. Like, I don't, I don't know what you guys are thinking when, I, when, I when think he says that. I think it's just like, as somebody that has an intro to any type of there, it's typical manipulative behavior of somebody that's like us versus them mentality and tries to create this illusion of like, you and I get each other. We're both outcasts. We're both freaks at the first sign of trouble. Like they accept you now, but going forward, if there's any sign of trouble, like they're going to cast you aside and they're going to create you to be an outcast. Like right now they love you, but at any given moment they're going to switch, like flip the script and you're going to be an outcast. And I feel like he, he's almost, it's, it's weird in the scene because he's almost fangirling, but he's almost trying to sell him on this idea. I feel like the, the city is like a user, like they don't necessarily like or dislike Batman, but there's a need for him right now. Yeah, so, he's ignited this whole thing and the Joker even acknowledges that. Like he has ignited something and it's it's something that it's incited the mob of where he's started something where you have people putting on hockey pants and you have people trying to defend something and you have people getting excited about standing up to crooks and the mob and this whole idea of the enemy and you have people it's standing up to something and, and that's that's the entire theme of this movie if the first theme of the movie was fear the the entire theme of this second movie the dark knight is escalation right because at the very end of uh batman begins you get a hint at what this movie is going to be about and Jordan says, you know, or Jordan, Michael Jordan in the house. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was Gor like, Michael B. I know, right? Gordon Gordon tells Batman at the very end on the rooftop scene, he's just like, hey, you know, you got body armor. They start buying, you know, Kevlar piercing rounds and all this other stuff. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, escalation. So in Gotham's dire need, the citizens and the police have turned to a vigilante who operates outside the law in order to accomplish the things that they cannot and due to that, now the criminals, the mob, have turned to the identical type of person in the Joker who's going to fight their fight for them. Although they don't know that the Joker really doesn't give a fuck, you yeah. know, until later on. But they've also turned to their Batman. And the cool thing about this movie is that the Batman and the Joker are identical characters operating for opposing sides. Yeah. It's really weird, yeah. too, like the line where he's talking about you know, everyone drops their morals at the first sign of trouble. Like when you look at, you know, the police officers that are corrupt, yeah. like they're trying to earn extra money from the mob by doing certain things. I mean, even in a sense, like Gordon faking his own death, like uh, the, the people are going to extremes. Right. Like they're, they're, they're questioning, they're, they're challenging their morals just because there's a need for it. I think the biggest thing that this is alluding to is the test on the fairies towards the end of the movie. I think that's what that line really talks about. That's where the Joker really tests people's morals and how they're going to react. Because at the end, with the, with the fairies, like one fairy has, you know, it's full of convicts, and one oh, fairy is full yeah. of passengers. Yeah, but I think and more they, so the scene, if we're if we're just acknowledging the scene in and of itself, I think it explores the morals of Batman because he put somebody like a public defender and somebody that puts up for people like Harvey Dent who opposes the mob and opposes everything that the people are against versus the woman that he loves. See, I, I got something completely out of, different out of this scene. I, I literally look at this as where, hey, you think Batman is in control, this and that, and then as it goes on, the way they direct it, which Christopher Nolan does a great job directing it. Right. The camera starts moving. You have that song coming in. 
quickly you realize, hey, the Joker is one, two, three steps ahead of him, and he's fucked. I don't. I don't think I would disagree with you because I really? feel like because I look at it as like, hey, when he says, hey, you're gonna break your rule, like he knew all along, hey, I got you, like it's right. But did Batman did Batman break his rule to get the information that he needed out of the Joker? Well, Rachel dies. I mean, no, 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 no. no. He doesn't. He doesn't break his rule to get. He doesn't break his rule. The Joker, as a way to toy with Batman. He gives up the information, but he purposely gives him the wrong address, knowing that he'll go for Rachel. So he gave him Harvey Dent's address. Right. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, he got the information without breaking his rules. So I think in this scene, I just see kind of... You don't think at that point, Joker has control? No. No, no. Really? I, I think no. I think Mug is right. This is, the, this is the turning point in the movie where the Joker has control, because from this moment on... Batman is forced to operate very, very far from the line that he's willing to walk. Yeah. Because even towards the end, um, Lucius is even ready to leave his side and said, you know, when he has the cell phone yeah. screens and he's yeah. monitoring the whole city, he's just like, you know, this is dangerous. This is too power. This is too much power for one man. And, you know, even Batman says, like, I now understand what I have to become to stop men like him. He has to go to the extremes that the Joker is willing to go to in order to prevent him from causing more chaos in right. the city. And by the end of the movie, unfortunately, he does break his one rule. He, he kills Harvey Dent. Yeah. yeah, he could have saved. He was trying to save the kid, but he did knock him off a ledge and kill him. Right. I will disagree and say that the Joker's not in control in this situation. I think he is in a way fangirling over Batman. He's trying to give him a sales pitch of like, you and I are both outcasts. You and I are both people that are looking to have acceptance with these people and we will never have acceptance. You're a vigilante. I am somebody that's exploiting the mob. Like, I can show you... Um, they will they will discard you at the first thing. I feel like he said, in order to get the answers, you'll have to break your only rule. Batman didn't break his only rule and he got the intel that he wanted. Granted, it was the wrong information, but I feel like in order to get that information from him, Batman didn't have to do it. And so Batman was able to do what he thought in that moment was the correct thing, even though the Joker gave him false information. They were able to go to the places where the two hostages were. But I think... But why, how did he get that information though? Because the Joker chose, the Joker chose to give him that information. Yeah, but he didn't have to break his rule in order to get that information. No, he didn't have to break his rule in order to get it. But the Joker, it's like the Joker said, like, you know, at the very end, he's like, do you think I would, you know, uh, lose or have the battle for Gotham's soul in a fist fight with you? Right. Like this, like the main character in this movie is Gotham City. Yeah. The main character in this movie is not Batman. It's not the Joker. It's, it's Harvey Dent and Gotham City with Harvey Dent being a representation of that. Right. The Joker's true victory comes in the form of getting Harvey Dent to join his, you know, to, to join the chaotic side of, right. I guess, to exist outside of society. Because Batman already exists outside of society although he has rules the joker exists outside of society but he has no rules what the joker is doing is taking a representation of the hope that exists within gotham city harvey dent and doing whatever he can to to push him to the edge um you know we talk about books that uh this comic pulls from the killing joke um that's a that's a comic or a graphic novel in which the joker tortures um, and paralyzes uh, Barbara Gordon Batgirl in order to send um, Commissioner Gordon over the edge 
and all he wants to prove is that one bad day is enough to push somebody over the edge and he's doing the same thing with Harvey Dent in this movie that's where they pull that from so the Joker's the Joker's main thing is not necessarily to get Batman to break his one rule in that moment but this moment is symbolic or representative of the Joker actually taking control or showing that he's been in control this whole time and one thing we're running out of time because we're almost at 20 minutes I'm going to tack on like five more minutes because we're going to pause a couple times the one thing that I want to like talk about is like do you guys at all not see the Joker antagonizing him to where he gets Batman out of his element and you could tell when like oh Gordon's like oh it's it's in control everything and it's like you could tell he's like no no he's got him dude like like the Joker is mind fucking him Toward like, hey, I'm gonna do something, and he has to like literally go and put the chair underneath the door because he knows don't come in here because I got to deal with this guy. Right, I think I thought that was amazing. I think it goes back to the age old parable. At any point in an argument where you raise your voice, you've already lost. Yeah. And when Batman starts getting his like, where is she? Like when he's, he's yelling and and resorting yeah, to violence, he's done. Yeah. He's already lost, and I get that. But I think I think in terms of control, like Joker wanted him to align with him and see his reasoning and see where he's coming from and this whole thing. And he was like, I want you to break your one rule and Batman doesn't. And he's able to beat the information out of him essentially. But it's interesting. But where Batman really gets upset is when he brings up Rachel. Yes. Like that's where it really. The fact that he could see and you dove after her, you know, like. Yeah. So that's where he picks him up and throws him. Yeah. Can I just say that that was amazing acting cinematic work of when he flips him onto the table and the like, Joker's just con- Heath Ledger's continuing to laugh and then well, that's where he takes that chair up and puts yeah. it up against yeah him. that's like when Christian Grey flipped Anastasia like what Erica said last Slaps time slaps her on the no I think I think I think it's really interesting and it, I, I think the whole thing of resorting to violence and getting but the, the weird thing is is like the Joker's laughing during it and it takes me back to like those childhood stories of like childhood friends that like their parents would spank them and the kid would laugh and it just would like completely defeat the point of like physically hurting someone because they're laughing yeah. and you have to like resort to other means of communication. And, and the Joker has some crazy ass laughs throughout this movie, but I think that oh, one. Oh, and that scene on my Atlanta. And it's like with every hit, like, cause so Christian Bale has just slammed him onto the table picked him up, thrown his head into the window. Right. And now he's repeatedly punching him. And with every punch, it feels like it's fuel mm-hmm. yeah. for the Joker, yeah. where he's just like getting, yeah. he's feeding off he's of it up. and starting to laugh more and more. Because that's what he wants. Yeah, that's what he wants. Yeah. Um, you could tell he's in control at that point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and then Joker even says, you know, Batman has nothing to threaten him with, even with Your all strength. of his strength. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Something about that is like one of the scariest things, like, some someone that it's just all out anarchy and like just doesn't give a fuck about nothing. I think that's just like one of the the craziest things. Like, and I just think that fuel that he gets from from Batman hitting him, he just doesn't give a fuck about nothing. Like, there's literally nothing he can threaten him with, killing him, anything like that. And that's what Alfred. There's two points in the movie where Alfred calls it out earlier in the film, and he's just like, "There's a thief in Burma who used mm-hmm. to steal jewels and just throw them away." He didn't 
he, he just didn't likes sell to steal. Him. Yeah. yeah, he just he, people just like to see the world burn. And then when the Joker talks to uh, Chechen, the Russian guy, um, and he burns Lao on top of the pile of money, he's just like, "I like gasoline, bullets, and guns. The best right. part about them is they're cheap." And he burns all the fucking money, and he's just like, "All you guys care about is money. Like, there's more to this shit." And when he, well, I guess there's three times when he goes to see Harvey Dent. And um, he's like, I'm a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do if I caught one. Everybody's trying to catch the car. Right. Me, right. I don't give a fuck about catching the car. I just want to chase the car. Right. right. I just think in terms of this scene, it's just, it's interesting how, I just, I feel like, and I don't know if you guys can corroborate this, I just feel like the Joker kind of fangirls Batman originally. Yeah. Like, he's just like, I want us to work together. I want us to be together. Like, I imagine well, he us says, to do it. says, I don't want to kill you, you know? No, yeah. but like I'll show you. Yeah. Like his whole his whole choice of words of like the, the us versus them mentality. It's like classic manipulation, the, and, and he tries it, and Batman's just not with it. The directing of it and the cinematography, the light. Oh, it's amazing! I, dude, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's an intense scene that is yeah. just very, very wow. You know, I yeah. So I I just have you know two more. I mean a couple more things, but I mean the Joker obviously ends up giving the addresses to both. Obviously they're both the wrong ones yeah. for each other. Mismatched. But what what's his one rule? He's Bat, the use, he's guns. Rule, yeah, Batman's one rule is that he does not kill. Okay, so that's what I'm thinking. So that's that's the rule that he's, oh, I thought it was he's he doesn't have, use guns. Shit. He's going to have to break by allowing one of them to die, essentially. Yeah, Batman, Choosing one to die. Batman doesn't use guns because of the trauma, like with him and his parents. Like he he actively chooses not to use guns because right. it's right. like it's like a weak thing in his eyes. But like his one rule, like in every incarnation of Batman, except <laughs> Batman v Superman, which is trash, that he does not kill people. Makes and sense. That, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking too, that that's what it was. I mean, they're not very specific. I, I don't read the comics, but that's what I was kind of thinking. And then the last thing is, you know, Mugga kind of touched in the beginning. So Jack Nicholson, like. Oh yeah, that's right. Like, do you, do you see him doing this any better? I mean, like I was telling you guys earlier, like if Heath Ledger said if Tim Burton approached Heath Ledger to play Heath Ledger would not, you know, do the Joker again with Tim Burton just because he would not want to try to reenact what Jack Nicholson had done. Right. Can you see Jack Nicholson being like on this scene? Do you see him being I better, love, the same? I love Jack Nicholson. Yeah. I, I, I do not think that I think Heath Ledger is the guy for this. Right. I, I, I just I think Heath Ledger is that good. I would say the the cool thing about the Joker is that he's a he's a character that can be interpreted based on what the author like the comic book writer the the director can, can you know it, it, he's the director or writer's creation so there's all kinds of jokers there's gangster jokers there's you know jokester jokers there's all kinds of jokers Jim Carrey the Joker why is he not in this conversation Riddler. yeah like, oh he's a Riddler, Riddler shit yeah, yeah. edit this out nope sorry 20, but then you look 20. at like like uh, Mark Hamill in the animated series, he yeah. had a different take on the Joker, and hit that. that. You can even argue his was great. Yeah, so I think, I think, in a different movie with a different writer and director, in a movie that's not as campy as Batman '89, Jack Nicholson could have played this kind of Joker. But I think for this movie, this crew, this cast, this script, Heath Ledger is the perfect one for this. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Heath Ledger is amazing. Amazing. I, I think he's amazing, and I think that one last fact was that like he was a method actor, but he was only a method actor on screen. For some reason, I thought I always heard that Heath Ledger was a you know kind of like a Daniel Day Lewis. You know, like while while he's filming the movie, right? He's always the Joker. But it was interesting to read that like 
you know, even Christian Bale says that, you know, he was the Joker while he was in makeup, but, you know, off camera, out of makeup, like Heath Ledger was himself. Yeah. Right. And I just think that all the stuff surrounding his death and, you know, everything that we, we hear about, um, I, I would assume, I would have believed up until reading that, that he was, you know, being method the entire time. But That's, that's was, what he, I always believed. And you, you told me this earlier. And it was just like, I always, I always read that the Joker was like his downfall. Like he fell into this role and he was so knee deep in it. And that was. I mean, Mugga told me a rumor a long time ago that Jack Nicholson went up to Heath Ledger and said, be very, very careful with this role. Hmm. And I don't know how true that is, right? But I would believe that there's some kind of truth, even if he didn't say that. That you know, this role, this role is kind of frightening. Because right. But if you spend six weeks in an apartment alone by yourself, developing this character and like having the right, ticks right. that he had, and journal, and like just like his weird like mouth ticks that he had, like it, it's it's hard to turn that off. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you necessarily need to be a method actor to have a role consume you. And I'm not saying that's what happened. Right. But like, I I don't think you need to be method in order for that to happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jared Leto did Method, and now we have no Joker, so. Jared Leto also dumped a whole pig onto the production table before they were filming and as a joke and walked away. So he was definitely Method. He did a little extreme. But it's like, I would almost believe that from Heath Ledger, not Jared Leto. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting that, like, he was actually able to come out of it, be normal off camera. Well, according to Christian Bale. According to Christian Bale, exactly, yeah. Yeah, So. Well, shit, we might have to do these movies (laughs) in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing we didn't point out is, like, you know how both these actors are speaking American accents, and they have, like... Like, I think one's, one's, one's Welsh. Australian. Yeah, one's, yeah, one's Australian. Welsh, one's Australian. Yeah, yeah. and it's what? weird, like, yeah. <laughs> We're still recording, asshole. Yes. Right. We can break the rules sometimes. Fuck off. Introduce a little anarchy, bro. We can break our own one rule. <laughs> we can cut it right there. That's we can cut it. All right.